0: I think it really depends a lot on who that individual is, what their um, key is. For me, clearly the lesson I had to learn was that I needed my own product, my own say in things. I just have that independent spirit. Um, I also, uh, I'm not against franchises. Like you said, they can be really good. I bought a a Roof Max franchise with my son um, last or about a year and a half ago um and so that's great because he doesn't have that desire to build his own have his own product and create everything but he wanted to have his own independent um, thing and so um we partnered he handles the day-to-day business i help him market it and i help him you know just as a leader helping him make decisions and things like that but like it's a great fit for him it's great because um he's done a really good job at it it's he's grown that business really quickly which has been awesome <music>
1: Hey, everyone. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Ryan Speltz, and as a quick introduction to Ryan, so uh, Ryan uh, was a, a decent uh, decent sco- student in high school and a bit better in college, um, but didn't uh, quite the, fit the college mold, um, tried a few different uh, types of courses and different degrees while I was in college, and then uh, worked also uh, during that time, worked in a marketing job um, and marketing and sales job uh, for Cutco. And then uh, made uh, more in, in college uh, than his teachers and or teachers uh, then the teaching profession he was thinking about going into did, um, so ended up getting a job uh, a job uh, after school with uh, Cutco worked in direct sales uh, with a, v- a variety of consumer goods for twenty years and then. Uh, when he turned forty, around seven years ago, wanted to start selling his own stuff. So, uh, wasted about a year and a good amount of money before uh, settling on the uh, uh, the idea and what they're pursuing now. And he'll give us a bit more detail on that as well. So, with that much is an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely excited to have you on. So. So I just gave a, a quick walkthrough or an overview of uh, of a, a much longer journey and condensed in the 32nd version. So let's uh, rewind and unpack that a bit. Um, So tell us a little bit about uh, how your journey got started in uh, high school and college. You know, um, I think a lot there's there's
0: two types of people. Some people know what they want to be when they grow up. And then some people when they're 47 still don't know. And so that's <laughs> that's where I'm at. But uh I um I really didn't have a path I kept bouncing from different things I knew I liked marketing I was a marketing major for a while I also knew I liked teaching people um I loved education and and uh you know those things so um I even though I eventually finished college um there was an interesting thing that happened I got my tax return for, or my 10.99 from Cutco from selling uh Cutco for the the past it wasn't even a full year. It was like nine, nine months that I had sold Cutco. And then that same, the next day in school, I was in uh, education uh, preparedness class, something about being a teacher. And they passed out the starting pay for teachers in Nevada. And I had made more selling Cutco part-time in the evenings than I was going to make for like the first three or four years with pay increases. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. And we lived in the worst part of Las Vegas. I was going to UNLV. And so- I was like we have to live here in this part of town forever
1: like that sounds terrible so it kind of changed my path so now you said okay you know so and I think teaching is admirable but it's you certainly don't go into it for the vast majority of positions for the pay and it's um, you know for yeah, a different right. motivations but it you know I, I have uh, several teachers within my uh, family and you know they they, they 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 do something that I can't which is you know they they sacrifice their pay for a greater purpose and I say hey I, I you know I'm willing to help other people out but I want to get paid well for it And so you come out of you know you see so you're coming out of school a bit and saying okay, was going to you know considering going into teaching going that direction didn't necessarily work out or didn't go in that di- direction so you you know come out work for Cutco during school and then I think you um, after school you continued to work for them and kind of uh do sales or management or kind of uh, clue us in as to after graduating kind of where where your journey took you yeah so I, I basically
0: became a manager which actually fulfilled the teaching part for me too because uh the the trainers or the managers at at uh, it's actually called Vector Marketing, which is the marketing arm for um, for Cutco. But I mean, I I was running trainings. Um, I you know I was a 22, 23 year old kid, and I was running these trainings for people that were coming in to learn how to sell. And um, I was the number one sales rep previously in the in the Las Vegas area, and so they promoted me to be a branch manager. I became the number ten branch manager in the nation in Salt Lake City. And then I moved back to Las Vegas and took over the district office. The district manager was there, got an opportunity to move to his hometown back in California. And so um, I took over Las Vegas and we um, quickly became a successful office. And um, I was there for another three years before I, um, before I moved. So so that started my career as a sales trainer, as a leader, a manager, and uh um, I always think it's funny because people will say, "Well, I, oh, Cutco, I tried that when I was in college." I'm like, "Yeah, I I tried it too, and I sold three million dollars worth of this stuff." So, it's it's a it's a good it's a great place to learn how to sell. Great place to learn how to be a leader and a manager, especially at a young age, because you just don't have experience like that.
1: No, I think that's awesome. You know, and and I think that one of the things or one of the skill sets that we often overlook and yet is a are really valuable in a lot of different industries is the ability to sell relate to people or, you know, tell them about a product, be able to, you know, convince them that they need it and all those things and not in a bad way, but any job you're in, you're going to be in the business Whether as a lawyer, you're selling legal services. Whether it's you know you're working as an engineer and you're selling your boss on an idea and everything else. And so I think that sounds like it was a a great uh, great uh, training ground and a, a great uh, place to, to uh, get those skills. Um, so now as you're saying, okay, worked for Cutco for a period of time um, after you left them and and uh, and moved. Um, where was the next uh, next uh, phase on your journey? So I
0: I uh, actually started working for an a, a mortgage slash real estate investment firm in Las Vegas. They were called Investment Lending and Redline Strategies, and we basically we took we uh, helped people who wanted to get into real estate investing, and we helped them either you know find properties or helped them finance the properties, or we helped them learn strategies. We often played. The game, I think it's called Cash Flow by Robert Kiyosaki with groups. And, you know, it just introduced the idea of creating cash flow and passive income. And so as uh, we went through that journey, it was a lot of fun. Um, Actually, made a lot of money uh, easier than I had made it or have since made it in uh, in a short period of time. But then the market crashed in 2007 in Las Vegas, 2008, uh, short to follow here in Utah. And Mm. so it, was a terrible crash. And uh, I was licking my wounds and thinking, man, I I actually had five houses at the time and had bought them all on the auctions and had really good equity in them. And that equity all vanished. And uh, we were upside down in some of those houses. And so we were facing some pretty, um, you know, pretty heavy things. And at the same time, my wife's uh, father had uh, been diagnosed with brain cancer. It it would eventually uh, take his life. But we decided that it was time to move that las vegas didn't have anything holding us there we were Mm. you know you know not destitute but we were you know in bad bad shape we didn't have a whole lot of money and um we had property but it you couldn't do anything with it (laughs) and then uh, we decided to move to utah which uh, my wife's from honeyville utah there's more cows than people there and um, we moved to ogden which was semi-close and um Mm. And so we could my kids could get to know their grandpa before he passed away. And so um, we moved up here. And when I got here, I started working for a little regional company called uh, Living Scriptures. Living Scriptures is like an animated uh, Bible story company. They sell to families with kids who want to entertain their kids. And I was their director of sales. So we um, built the sales team. We had about a hundred salespeople that worked for me throughout the state. Um, and had five different managers that ran those teams. And we were in malls at kiosks. We did some door-to-door. Uh, we also did uh, fair and shows. You know, we'd go out to like state fairs or women's conferences, things like that, and have booths at those. And mm. um, so that was great as well. And I used a lot of what I learned at Cutco to help grow that um, that piece of Living Scriptures. And, and at the end of that, Living Scriptures was... Um, I went to the, the owner and I was like, you know, you're going to have to change how to do this. We're in the malls and people are not, we would give a free DVD to kind of attract people in to come and talk to us about the program. Cause we had a bunch of movies people could buy and we'd let them buy them monthly. But, um, I was like, people are saying they don't even have DVD players anymore, which seemed crazy to me at the time, but I don't even own a DVD player now. So <laughs> it wasn't that long later that our DVD player broke and we just never bought another one, you know? And so um, that changed very quickly and we could see the writing on the wall. I left about a year before they became a full streaming company mm. and got rid of their whole sales force and just didn't have that setup anymore. So, um, and then that was when I started looking at the option to start my own business. I wasted some money. I lost some money. I tried to, you know, a couple of different things
1: and, uh, spent a ton. No,
0: and,
1: no uh, before you jump over that too much, and, and without putting too much salt in the wood, but I, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that you're, you're excited, you want to do your own business. And so, you know, there's everything from get rich quick screen or schemes, to seminars, to just bad ideas, to good ideas, the timings wrong, or things that you have to learn with, you know, in quotes, stupid tax. In other words, you it may be a great idea, maybe the right timing, but you don't know enough to actually make it a success. So kind of walk us through what was that? When you decided to kind of go out on your own and you burn through some cash and, uh, you know, learn from the mistakes, kind of what did you do or, or what did you pursue?
0: Yeah, my job at Living Scriptures was a good job. I, I made good money. And so we we kind of came into this spot feeling fairly confident. We had a bunch of money in savings. We were doing pretty good. You know, we had nice vehicles. We, had, we were just in a good, good place, you know, and. I tried an Amazon FBA store um and I know a lot of people who've done really well at Amazon FBA stuff mm. I just wasn't one of them I just I got to the end of it and I was like holy crap I did all that work and I think I made 300 bucks like it just seemed really uh slow and painful and very small like very small margins and you had to do a lot of little little work in between and I just wasn't good at it so and then we tried buying a franchise And I just wasn't equipped to do it. It wasn't a good fit for me. And we burned through all of our cash over the period of a year. And it was even at that point, I still felt really confident. You know, I still felt like, okay, we can do something. But I was starting to get really nervous. And I would pick up side jobs. You know, I'm a pretty good salesman, and so I'd pick up jobs selling something here or there. I, I I sold pots and pans for a little while which played right on my, you know, Cutco background and mm-hmm. I was able to keep us afloat, but it just felt like we were climbing up a gravel Hill, you know, two steps forward and it'd slide back three. So, but, um, in that process, I had an interesting idea. I, um, in between when we, right before we moved to Las Vegas or from Las Vegas, we were still investing in real estate. My brother-in-law came to me and he said, Hey, I want to work for this, um, magazine company, they kind of let you set up magazines in an area and you go out and sell ads. They provide all the content. And then you publish this magazine for this community and they'll, um, you know, and then you just make revenue over and above what it costs to produce the publication. And so we, um, launched that and did really well with it until the economy crashed in Las Vegas. And, um, about half of the advertisers that we had, Mm. um, called and said, "Hey, we want to keep advertising, but can we pay you in like 90 days?" And we're like, "Uh, no, we don't have enough money to print this thing without your payment." And and then another probably 20% to 30% just closed up and we're gone. I there was this big hair transplant, I need him now, but this hair transplant doctor there that was our our cornerstone advertiser, like he was on the back of every magazine, he had a prominent spot. Uh he wasn't returning calls, and so I went over to his office and it was Like I looked through the window and it was empty. The whole place was just completely gone. So the economy really took a hit. Mm. And so we ended up closing that magazine. And shortly thereafter, I moved up here to uh, Utah. So uh, in that process, at the end of about a year, I talked to my wife and I was like, you know, that magazine would have been really cool if the content was better. It wasn't so cookie cutter. And, um, there's a couple of these companies that do these very cookie cutter type magazines and they just sell ads into them. Mm-hmm. But, um, I said, you know, North Ogden, which is the community that we live in, doesn't have anything like that. It'd be kind of cool to do that. So, uh, that kind of hatched the idea for connection publishing, which is my current company. And I went and met with the mayor of North Ogden. It's not a big town. So I was able to get a meeting with the mayor. Um, I didn't know him yet. He actually was attending, the same congregation that I attended on Sunday, but um, he just kind of moved in and I didn't know him. Um, So anyway, I got an appointment with him, went in and presented the idea of doing a magazine similar to what we had done in Las Vegas, but making it personalized to North Ogden. And he loved the idea. And so uh, we started working on it and he got it approved through city council a few months later and we were off to the races. Um, So Connection Publishing is a... Uh, city magazine company and we have five different communities that we work with that we create magazines for. The first one was North Ogden, everyone since they approached us and said, Hey, we saw your magazine. Can you come do this for us too? And so uh, we've done that for about this summer will be seven years. And then um we also um we also are a marketing company. So we sell the advertising, the magazine also but we also do digital marketing social media and search marketing um and we're we're launching a branch of video marketing so we're actually going to do video production for small mm-hmm. businesses just to help them have the tools that they need to be able to market themselves effectively and so um kind of interesting cuz we were out of money we were feeling like I might have to go get a job again but then that's when the idea came and that's when we uh, it kind of and it and it didn't take off like a shot like I wish I could say we were like an instant success but I think the first year we made $18,000 in profit. And the second year we made $17,000 in profit. It got worse. So, um, but, uh, Dang it. but from there, yeah, but from there it actually got better and better and um, it's a pretty good sized company. Now uh, we have eight employees and about 10 different contractors that help us get the work done that we do. It's definitely not just my wife and I anymore. Thank goodness. Cause we couldn't do
1: it, but. No, I think that's awesome. I like, you know, it, it is always good to hear, you know, because I think or when you're saying, hey, first year, we didn't do that great. We did. At least you made a profit, which is better than a lot of companies, but not a ton. Second year dipped a little bit, but, it, you know, and I think that that's kind of the, perception that a lot of people don't understand or you know there's a misperception which is hey you have a great idea and you see them today and they're like well it's, it's just got always been successful been doing great or they've always got to have been killing it or making lots of money and moat 95 or 99 or whatever percent of the time first few years you're figuring it out you're struggling you're not taking much of a paycheck you're you know tr- struggling to get by and you're just trying to figure out the company and how to have it survive and make it long enough that you can hopefully figure out that niche you're it around and I, I, you know i, I kind of love to hear that just because you read the books you see the tv shows you watch the movies and everybody's an overnight success and that overnight success comes after lots of years in the making
0: it's so true and we um and if I think also if you're a growth-oriented person and you want to grow your business, like the re, we did, you know, we doubled, more than doubled our sales the second year, but we had reinvested it back into the business so much that our profit was a little less, you know? So it's interesting, but that's how it is. It's really expensive to start companies. It's really expensive to grow companies and you have to work really hard. So that's, that's what we did. Um, I always, you know, people from the outside, I've had people say things like, wow, you've done so amazing at that. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm just running through a briar patch, you know, just getting scraped up and bumped and injured along the way, but we're just fighting to make it work. And um, I, you know, it's, there's been easier times than than others, you know, but um, there's also been some pretty challenging times. So kind of- No, and uh, I think the
1: other thing that, you know, you hit on is I, even when you made it to a point where you feel a little bit more stable or a little bit more comfortable, at least for me and most of the other businesses I know, there's still a lot of fear involved. Like you you still worry that, that you're going to go back to that time where, it, you know, any month now is going to just all fall apart. Everything's going to go away and you're going to be back to where you started. And I don't think no matter really, maybe when you retire, because I haven't retired yet. So we'll see at that point. But beyond that, I always feel like even when I've had a good month, the very next month is, well, this is going to be the month, you know, it's all, going to, they're finally going to fall apart. So I think it's one that, you know, even as you're continuing to progress, Having those first few years keeps you more honest and, and you know helps you to appreciate where you or where you started. Yeah. In fact, um, in, at the end of 2022,
0: or at the end of yeah, 2022, uh during the pandemic, we were nervous and we had some advertisers pull out and we were really nervous, but everybody kind of stayed. And Utah handled the pandemic better, I think, than a lot of places, because we, we didn't really. Um, Lose a lot of business then. And in fact, we grew shortly thereafter and started, you know, really going. We had our best year, the first year of the pandemic, which was kind of crazy. Um, And then the next year was even better. But then in 20, so 21, 22, at the beginning of 22, there was a nationwide, worldwide paper shortage. And as a print publication, that really affected us. I couldn't even get the magazines printed. We had a paper shortage. We had transportation problems cost. It was double to transport the publications from the printer to the post office. Um, I was printing in Idaho and in Colorado. I bought a big moving truck. Think of the largest moving truck you can get. They're like almost like a semi, but they're just under what you need to get a CDL. I bought one of those to transport my own stuff because we couldn't get truckers to do it. They were so busy. They couldn't uh, take us on. And if they would, it was double what we were used to paying. And so I uh, bought a truck and then I found out if you pick up your own product in Cal- in Colorado, you actually have to pay sales tax on it. And so I had to form a trucking company so I could go pick it up <laughs> as a trucking company and bring it back and not pay sales tax. Because a sales tax on a $20,000 print bill is a lot of money. And yep. so we just fought and fought all during 22. And then I realized, I was like, I am so focused on the bad things that are happening and the frustrating things that are happening that I'm not leading my company and leading my team. And it just kind of, I could kind of feel there was like a fog over what we were doing. And so at the end of 2022, we really started diving in and just trying to um, pivot a little bit. Print costs have gone up about 68%, which is um, really difficult to make a, a profit off of when you have your core product go up that much. And so we just started innovating. That's when we started doing digital ad sales, social media, uh, search, all of those things. Um, and then uh and and now adding in video, things like that. Like I just realized that as a as the leader of the company, I have to, I have to innovate, I have to think about the net what's next, I have to drive for growth. And 2022 was the first year that we didn't grow year over year. Um, we went from uh, you know, we went down about oh, maybe 10%. Some mm-hmm. of that was a decision we made because we actually closed an unprofitable publication that we were losing money on. So all of that revenue went away too. So we actually, if if the prices hadn't gone up like they did, we would have been much more profitable yeah. last year, but even though we went down about 10%. So um, <clears throat> overall, it's just been, I, I just learned a, a key lesson there as a leader is that I can't, Just focus on the problems. I've got to step up and think about my people, think about how I can serve them the best and help them get the most success and really drive innovation and lead them up the mountain. So
1: no and i and i think that's sometimes easier said than done because you know especially when you start out you do think about the problems because you're the only one that's going to fix them or solve them i mean yet as the the company involves as you continue to progress you have to take on different roles and take on different views that allow you to continue to lead the company and so it's it's one of those that you have to figure out how that transition goes and what it looks like so love to hear those stories so now as we've kind of reached a bit of the present day of your journey, it's always a great time to transition to the two questions always asked at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always like to ask is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what'd you learn from it? So I actually think buying that franchise
0: that I bought um, was a bad decision. And the reason is I, I knew And in my heart, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I had a lot of fear that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't smart enough and that I couldn't do it. And so I started looking at uh, franchises. Um, Even though I was not an entrepreneur for my whole career, I was an independent contractor. You know, most sales positions are an independent contractor and they talk to you about building your business and about being a business owner. But you're always selling someone else's products, right? Mm-hmm. And so, as I um, as I made that transition, the thought of trying to create something all on my own really intimidated me. So I went back to almost being the same thing I was before, which was selling someone else's products. And when I didn't particularly like a product, I didn't have any say over how to change it or how to fix it. Or, you know, in our current business, if I screw something up it's my fault, right? But I can also fix it. And so we can try to, you know, innovate, we can do other things. And so I didn't have that control. And that was a big mistake for me not to realize that in my heart, I really needed that entrepreneurial experience of doing my own thing, having my own product, my own company. And, and, um, you know, you still always need other people, right? You in business, you need suppliers, you need all of those things. But that that's probably the biggest mistake that I made was going back to what I was before and thinking it was going to satisfy that need I had, which was deep. Not everybody has that. I understand
1: that. Some people are like, you're crazy for
0: being an entrepreneur, but <laughs> I, that's what my wife that. tells
1: me every time I have a new idea, uh, not another idea. You've already got too many of them Stop. but I'm like, but it's fun. Like I enjoyed it. It's, 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 yeah. it's there is plenty of drawbacks to it. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of fun to it. So I definitely get that. Yeah. So but I like, and I like and I like I hit on you know because I think and I don't think there's bad things about franchise franchises a lot of people have been successful at it a lot of people have done well but you also have to be self realistic that if you're looking to do your own thing or have your own control there is it is a different way or franchises don't allow you all the freedom because you do still have to adhere to what the franchise rules are and and i get it they're trying to build a brand they've already figured out their system that works for that business and if you want to adhere to that system works great but i think that you know the mistake sometimes you make is as you said you kind of get that worry that fear and then you pull back and when you pull back then you're not really doing what you want to do you're you know kind of doing a, a pseudo version of it so i think it's a easy mistake to make but a great one to learn from yeah. Second question now that I always ask is now, if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you give them? So I think it really
0: depends a lot on who that individual is, what their um, key is for me. Clearly the lesson I had to learn was that I needed my own product, my own say in things. I just have that independent spirit. Um, I also I'm not against franchises. Like you said, they can be really good. I bought a a roof max franchise with my son um, last or about a year and a half ago. Um, And so that's great because he doesn't have that desire to build his own, have his own product and create everything, but he wanted to have his own independent um, thing. And so um, we partnered, he handles the day-to-day business. I help him market it and I help him, you know, just as a leader, helping him make decisions and things like that. But like It's a great fit for him. It's great because um, he's done a really good job at it. It's, he's grown that business really quickly, which has been awesome. So I think it's just knowing who you are, knowing what's important to you, and then being able to pursue it and chase it. We just launched another company that's kind of a break off from the magazines called com with a number four. Mm. And that one is a culmination of about 15 years of my wife and I dreaming about having a food blog 15 years ago and then fast forwarding to today and seeing seeing the changing landscape of the food blog industry but then also in our magazines we do recipes every month for 7 years now we've put recipes in our magazines and had to think about food on a consistent basis like that and she's like see if we had started a food blog all those years ago it would have worked out but <laughs> i we wanted to create something that i always think about who am i serving right And like with connection publishing, we serve the cities, we serve our readers and we serve our advertisers with what to eat for dinner. We're serving busy people who still want to cook at home. And so we give them a a meal plan, a, you know, food item, a a grocery list so they can itemize and say, okay, this is what I need to make these meals for the week. And they, um, you know, and then the recipes too. And so it just creates, it's like, who am I serving? Who am I trying to help? And then you go to work trying to figure out a plan to serve them the best way possible so that they become a fan of yours. They're like, you're awesome. Thank you so much for your help and all the things you do. We love your work,
1: all of those kinds of things. So that would be my advice, who are you serve, figure out who you are first and then figure out who you're serving. No. And I think that's a great takeaway. And I think that, you know, it, and a lot of times, I think that you don't really think about it. Or you're I'm the I'm the ideal customer. I just had to find more of me, or I, you know, or I'm I'm serving everybody. Everybody's gonna want it, and well, yeah, maybe maybe everybody will want it in theory, but you have to find who are the people that you really want to resonate with, and who are you gonna serve. And then if you can focus in on them, then anybody else on top of that is you know is gravy, so to speak. And great if you can expand and go in different directions later on. But I think that's a great uh, great piece of advice and a great takeaway. Well, now, as we wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to order one of your magazines, or they just want to be your next best friend, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? So connectionpublishing.com or connectionpub.com,
0: either one of those goes to the magazine company and advertising company. Um, And, uh, what to eat for dinner with the number four.com. That's just free. Um, anybody can use that so, so they can get a free account there and use the meals and shop with it. If you want to reach out to me directly, Ryan is my blog. And, um, you know, that's where I teach and, and, uh, write about marketing and sales and uh, do those kinds of trainings. And, um, and that's probably the best way to get me.
1: Awesome. A lot of great ways to connect. Definitely encourage everybody to reach out, uh, support a great business. If nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, Ryan, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now for all of you the listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. We'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com. apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review, helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else along your journey, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Ryan, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks. Appreciate you having me.